Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Airway eosinophilia is a prominent feature of asthma and chronic rhinosinusitis, and the endothelium plays a key role in eosinophil trafficking. To date, microRNA1 is the only microRNA known to be regulated in the lung endothelium in asthma models. Therefore, a research team sought to determine the role of endothelial microRNA1 in allergic airway inflammation. The results were recently published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. My guest today is the lead author of the study, Dr. Shervin S. Takiar, who is an associate professor in the section of pulmonary and critical care medicine at Yale School of Medicine in New Haven, Connecticut. He conducts research on asthma and lung cancer with a main focus in endothelium and vasculature. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Takiar. Let's dive into your study. So to start, can you give us an overview of your study and how it came about? Yeah, sure. I think it will be easier to to basically say what the question was. I think all the research should start from that. And the question that a lot of us are facing is, there is a group of patients, of asthma patients, who we call severe. These are patients who we give all sorts of medications, steroids, and they still have asthma attacks, and the disease is more severe in them. A lot of resources goes to these patients. Um, Mortality is higher than general asthma patients. So the main question is, why are these patients different? Why are they reacting in a different way? Now, over the last 10, 20 years, the study of adaptive immunity that we think asthma starts from has made huge leaps. And now we have treatments available, as, as everybody has heard about them, that target specific cytokines belonging to the adaptive immunity. These are immune cells we're talking about, T cells, and recently a native immune cells that secrete cytokines. And we think that at least in 50% of asthma patients, those are the reason for severity. So the number of, of severe asthma patients now are on those medications and they respond. But the question remains because a number of them do not. So the basic question starts from there. Why these patients who now we are treating with targeted therapy still have severe disease or do not respond the way they're supposed to? And this question has been around. It's not the first time. One answer is that it's not just immune cells. It's the responsiveness. It's the responsiveness of the tissues to those cytokines or to this kind of immunity. And that's where we started. My mentor, Dr. Elias, had an observation that one of the most potent vascular cytokines named VEGF, vascular endothelial growth factor, increases the severity of an asthma-like disease in asthma models. Also, others and him had this observation that in a lot of patients, the level of VEGF is high. So VEGF is a vascular cytokine. If the main issue is adaptive immunity, why is VEGF having this potent effect? So I started from there. This, is, this goes back to 2007. Another 
big discovery that had come about at that time was this, these uh, molecules called microRNAs. MicroRNAs are small molecules, and they do not, like the rest of the RNAs, they do not, or like messenger RNAs, they do not code for any protein. They're just inhibitors. So when I started, I had this observation in front of me that vascular endothelial growth factor is very important in asthma. There was also this, 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 this discovery that there are some patients who lack inhibitors. When you lack an inhibitor, like a microRNA, you have an overactive system, and that translates into a more severe disease. And I tried to combine these two observations, or these two principles, vascular endothelial growth factor and the inhibitors, or lack of inhibitors in patients, to come up with a new answer to our big question, why some patients are more severe. So this work and the one that we published in 2013, they're all, I'll try to answer part of that question. And the big answer that we think is coming out is that there are some patients who lack these inhibitors in their vasculature, and that's why they have severe asthma. So that's the big picture for, for our study. Before, we found that a specific inhibitor called microRNA1, when it's low, it potentiates the asthmatic response. We found that if the level of VEGF goes high, if we do it artificially, we increase it in models, we increase the amount of VEGF, it brings down the level of this, this in inhibitor. And we also found that we can give this inhibitor back, we can bring the level up, and it will stop an asthma attack or ameliorate the severity of an asthma attack. So I think in terms of what is the one sentence information that comes off our study, we can say that decrease of microRNA1 by VEGF, which is vascular endothelial growth factor, plays an important role in a group of patients and increases the severity of their asthma. Great. Let's talk more about your findings now. So what was the role of endothelial microRNA1 among patients with allergic airway inflammation? When we were looking at these models and what VEGF is doing in these models, and models were both human and animal, one of the things that was very striking to us was that it seems like eosinophils, eosinophils, as everybody knows, is one of the main cells that uh, are signature of asthma. They go up in allergic infl inflammation inside the tissues. In the tissues, eosinophils go up and then they cause uh, a lot of problems uh, downstream. So one observation was that it seems like this microRNA1 and VEGF, they have a a significant effect on the number of eosinophils in the tissue. So that was the, ob the observation we made in 2010. From that time, we were seeing that. Now, let's add to that this bit of information, this bit of general knowledge that, I mean, it's common sense in a, in a way. Where are these eosinophils coming from? Eosinophils are mostly coming from the blood. So they are circulating, uh, they are produced in the bone marrow, they are cir circulating, and then they traverse 
the vasculature and get into the tissues. And by the time they're in the tissues, then they can cause a lot of problems. So put, we put two and two together. If we have a vascular factor affecting asthma severity, and one of its effects is the number of eosinophils in the tissue, probably it has a role in letting them into the tissue. Probably microRNA1 has something to do with eosinophils getting into the tissue. I, I just, just repeated that to clarify. So we went after that. We went into the molecular pathway of microRNA1 to figure out how. How is it doing this? What are the mediators? And if it's an inhibitor, what is it inhibiting? What are the genes that are inhibited by microRNA1 that then cause eosinophils to come in? So we first tested this in people with asthma and people with allergic rhinosinusitis, which is a huge problem now in clinics. Allergic inflammation, rhinosinusitis, they have eosinophils in their tissue and in their blood. So we wanted to know if the number of eosinophils in the sputum, for instance, or in the tissue of a patient with rhinosinusitis has a correlation with microRNA1. And lo and behold, they did. Actually, the number of eosinophils has a good correlation. And the, what was amazing to us was the correlation between the eosinophil in the tissue, for instance, in the tissue of a rhinosinusitis patient, corresponds better with microRNA1 that, than corresponding with eosinophils in the blood. Meaning that if we draw a correlation line between the number of eosinophils in the blood and this and disputum, we only get 50-50 correlation. But if we draw a line between microRNA1 level and the eosinophils in the tissue, we get a lot better, around 80% correlation. Okay, so this was a confirmation of what we thought, that probably in humans, in clinic also, microRNA1 has this effect. The way we looked at this problem or that this question was, we went to a molecular machine that microRNA1 goes to to target genes. And through some biochemical methods, we identified four genes that microRNA1 inhibits or brings to that molecular machine. Those genes, some of them are known from before to affect eosinophil transmigration into the tissue. One of them is P-selectin. One of them is eotaxin-3, and I think uh, people who are in this area have heard about them before. One of those genes is TSLP, which is one of the most famous genes that recently discovered within the last 15, 20 years. And of course, these all made sense. After that, in order to test our theory, we set up a system with help from Dr. Jordan Pober and Angelica Gonzalez at, at Yale. We set up a system where we put endothelial cells from humans and eosinophils from humans in a chamber and then tested the effect of microRNA1. And we showed that if microRNA1 is high, meaning the inhibitor is high, eosinophils don't bind, don't get activated to traverse the endothelium. And if microRNA1 is low, they bind a lot higher with a, with, a, with a higher ratio. So this basically confirmed what we 
thought that microRNA1 controls a number of genes. Those genes are important for bringing eosinophils into the tissue. If microRNA1, which is the inhibitor, is low, those genes go high, eosinophils bind at a higher ratio, and come to the tissue. To confirm all of this again, in a different way, we looked at the correlation between microRNA1 and those genes in asthma patients and in rhinosinusitis patients, and we found that they do have an inverse correlation. People who have low microRNA1 have high level of these pro-inflammatory genes or pro-eosinophil genes, and vice versa. We, of course, showed all these pathways and how they work in animal models also. So we tried to confirm the pathway, the pathway being VEGF is high in some patients. Those patients have low level of, of inhibitors, this particular in, inhibitor being microRNA1 in their vasculature. Because of that, they have high levels of pro-inflammatory genes, specific ones for bringing in the eosinophils, and that's why they have high eosinophils in the tissue. Now, this can become a very important answer to a, to a practical clinical question. Why, when we inhibit specifically some of the adaptive immunity genes in patients, and the level of eosinophil in their blood goes down, they still may have eosinophils in their tissue. So this is an observation that came out of trials. There are patients, we inhibit their eosinophil levels, that goes down, but they still have eosinophils in their tissue or they're acting as such. It's possible that those patients have low levels of specific inhibitors like microRNA1 and that is why they're not responsive to the inhibition of adaptive immunity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So all your results taken together, how might they translate to clinical practice and impact how allergic airway inflammation might be managed in the future? I see this, the first impact is to measure this inhibitor, being microRNA1, in patients, and particularly in patients who have severe asthma or who do not respond to the current biologicals, and see if there is a good correlation between lack of response to biologicals and, and severity. If that is the case, as we have shown in models, it's possible that microRNA can be delivered and this particular microRNA can be delivered and be used as a therapy. The other way is to classify patients, to basically say, well, here's a patient who has more vascular features and maybe vascular inhibitors should be used for that group of patients. So let's not hit them with steroids and anti-IL-5 and anti-IL-13 and anti-IL-4 again and again, this patient lacks inhibitors, lacks MIR-1. If we are not giving the microRNA itself, possibly other treatments that are targeting the vasculature would be more effective in them. You know, in one, one sentence, I think it will help to classify or personalize 
the treatment for patients, particularly in the in the adult asthma group who uh, do not have all the features of known atopic asthma, it's possible that they have an issue with their vas- vasculature. Absolutely. So what knowledge gaps would you say still exist about allergic airway inflammation? MicroRNAs, of course, I mean, this is, we realize this is a relatively new field. Lacking of inhibitors is something that most of the asthma research has not addressed before. There have been some very good works in recent years, uh, but we are just at the beginning of this. Uh, Which inhibitor is working where and what's their role and is there a way to use these inhibitors to classify patients? As I told you, I also work in cancer to some degree. I do some work mostly on tumor progression and vascular reactivity in cancer. This kind of work in cancer has been done better, at least, than what we have done so far. In that literature, it has been shown that, for instance, tumors of different tissues have different signature of microRNAs. And to some degree, they have found reasons for them. I think we should do a similar work in asthma. I think we should find fingerprints for different patients. We have to understand our patients better. One of those ways to understand them better is to see what kind of microRNA they lack. What is the type of microRNA that they do not have? And that can be a part of their identity in clinic then may inform our medical interventions, our drugs, uh, the way to manage them. I think the knowledge gap is there, the molecular basis of asthma and how it corresponds to different phenotypes of patients. I think there's a lot of work to be done there still. Overall, what is the key take-home message from your study? Yes, so Practicing physician, I think the big message is that let's start looking at asthma patients from a different view. Let's try to understand the difference between different patients. If you have a patient that is taking steroids again and again, is coming to the hospital or emergency room a lot of times, and you're giving this steroids to them again and again, or you're doing, you're giving them the biologicals, and even after that, they're still having those features. Let's not let go of them. Let's go a little further. If there is a study, let's have them involved. Let's get samples. There has been this information about five types of asthma patients that came out. I think it's 10 years now. The biological basis of that is not clear yet. It was a great study. It was a great message uh, to classify patients based on their clinical features. But the molecular basis of that is not clear. And I think this is this kind of work and this kind of knowledge is only achievable with the help of everybody, with the help of the clinician in the private section, in the academia. There are particular patients. All of us have those patients, severe patients. Let's not forget them. Let's not just say, well, steroid they didn't take or just give it to them again and again. Let's study their system somehow from their sputum, from their blood, from their behavior, uh, from other biomarkers. With this work, we are showing a small corner that there are a group of patients who have problems in their vasculature. They're really, it's their endothelium. 
And we will not be able to, anybody, we will not be able to push this knowledge forward without the help of all the clinicians in, in this field. And particularly with this way of thinking that a patient has an identity and that identity can be pretty unique. So all the studies that we can do to understand that identity uh, would be fruitful, maybe not in the short term, but will add to the knowledge um, on asthma and CRS. And we are dealing with a kind of a emergent disease. I mean, asthma, the prevalence is going up. It's coming up in places where we didn't expect. Non-atopic patients, older patients, females, overweight patients, and these are all identities, and we need a biological basis. So if you have patients like that, please try to collaborate, try to, uh, to, to study them better, and uh, keep an open mind. There are a lot of ways that asthma can progress and happen. Great. Thank you again so much for speaking with me today and answering my questions. Oh, sure. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine.